listen, I've covered baseball since 1989. And uh, especially at this time of the year, every year, people sit down and they look at numbers. And they look at them again. And they talk to some scout. And they talk to some pitcher. And they talk to some player. And they talk to some manager. And within a matter of hours, we have a conspiracy theory. Something's up with something. Now, I'm not, I don't want to sort of take away from the seriousness of this topic, if you want to call it that. But there has been a lot of focus early in the season on the actual ball. The offensive numbers are down. We already have academics doing experiments and and things on, uh, on the drag on the ball. Last night, uh, Chris Bassett of the New York New York Mets had some pretty pointed words for Major League Baseball after a couple of more Mets players were hit by a pitch. Uh, the Mets, by the way, have had eighteen have been hit by the pitch eighteen times, which leads the majors. And I like to think that part of it is because Buck Showalter is their manager, but that's just me. Speaking of conspiracy <laughs> theories, that's just me. Uh, But Chris Bassett, all kidding aside, Chris Bassett had some pointed words last night. And we're going to be joined now by Ryan Dempster, uh, host of Off the Mound. And and Ryan, thanks so much for joining us. I I want you to just hold on the line while we play the Chris Bassett clip, because I wanted to talk to you as a former pitcher about this. So, Lance, if you can play Chris Bassett from last night, I would appreciate it. It's extremely annoying to see your teammates constantly get hit. And if we get hit by certain pitches, it's, it is what it is. But to get hit in the head, the the amount that we're getting hit is it's unbelievable. Um, I had some close calls tonight, um, which I've been hit in the face. I don't ever want to do that to anybody ever. But uh, the MLB has a very big problem with the baseballs. I mean, they're bad. Everyone knows it. Every pitcher in the league knows it. They're bad. They don't care. The MLB doesn't give a damn about it. They don't care. Um, we've told them our problems with them. They don't care. Now, of course, baseball has been going through this whole issue with uh, sticky substances. We saw the crackdown last year. This year, they're cracking down again, checking players' hands, not just their parts in the parts of the uniform. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us, and, and, and thanks for your patience. Look, you pitched. Um, you know, I've watched a lot of baseball. I've never pitched. I've had Aaron Sanchez and Buck Martinez sit down with me one day, and they were talking, explaining the difference in how balls feel. They could obviously feel the difference. I couldn't, right? Because, again, I haven't pitched. Is there, is there a legitimacy, do you think, to what Chris Bassett is saying? And, and as a player, like, when did you look at stuff or hear stuff and go, oh, God, here we go again. It's another conspiracy theory. Or what made you think that, yeah, there's really something going on here? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I mean, it, his comments obviously saying we've we've addressed this issue and asked the league and, and those kind of things. You know, at the same time, there's 29 other teams, right? So you can't just call the league and say, hey, you know, this is a problem. Fix it. It's okay. There's there's a due process to everything and looking through it, but it, but there is something there. I mean, I've heard, I've talked to people and the balls have changed and they've changed multiple times. So 
they changed a few years ago. I remember grabbing a ball um, in spring training in 2019, or maybe maybe it was 2020. In 2020, in spring training, guys were at the ten pack throwing bullpens, and I, I thought they were cue balls. They were hard. They were smaller. Um, I put them up against balls from the previous year. They were smaller. Um, and then now they're back to being maybe a little bit bigger. Or the seam's bigger because uh, you can't use uh, anything to grab a grip. So now they got to make the seams a little bit bigger so that guys can get a little bit of grip on the ball. That adds to more friction in the air so the ball moves a little bit more. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to know, right? It, but, but the ones out there playing, the guys play, Chris Bassett's a pretty intelligent person, a nice person. He obviously has issues with guys on his team getting hit, but there's a reason why they're getting hit. Is it just the balls? I don't think so, but that might play a part for sure. Okay. <clears throat> I, I've seen the Blue Jays pitchers throw a bazillion pitches in the first 18 games, and you know the, the location, the stuff coming out of the hand, you don't see a Blue Jays pitcher get a ball from a catcher, grab it, and look at it funny. If you did, you'd just throw it out. For me to hear comments coming from him, now he's a pitcher, he's a spin guy, you know, the breaking ball, the things, the touch and feel, all the stuff that he needs you, probably when he grabs a grip of a baseball, especially the seams, he could probably feel it maybe a little bit more. But, you know, I I just sometimes I, I might have a little hesitance to just say, man, the baseballs all stink because of one guy coming out and saying that. Am I on to something or am I overthinking it? No, I think that's what I, that, you know, like, I'm saying he might have something, but it's not like the whole league is yelling this, you know, and, and that might just come from um, frustration of your guys getting hit a bunch, which I understand. But, like, like, so here's the deal, too. Guys don't, do not give in the plate. They do not move. They, they almost swing at pitches that almost hit them. Like, so, like, a hitter is powerful hitter, and we're taught, okay, down and away, we got to protect that. How do we protect that? That's by going up and in. I'll see guys take an approach like they're going to swing at the pitch, and, and they swing, and it almost hits them, but then they're mad when they get hit. So, like, hmm. you're telling me that you swung at a pitch, that that's where I'm supposed to go to keep you honest from away. And also, by the way, you have a hole there that I can get you out at, and you almost swing at it. But then I miss by four inches, and it hits your wrist, and I'm throwing at you. I think to me that is – why is that not ever talked about? Like, and, and then there's like maybe down and away is not your spot. If I throw a fastball on the knees down and away, and I paint the outside corner, and you bridge me to right center two rows deep, then I have to come in. I have to, I have to feed my family too, right? It's a, it's a game. It's a chess match. So if you're not going to respect down in a way and let me have the pitch that I that I crisp, then I got to do something else. And now you don't want to fear the inside pitch. Maybe sometimes some guys don't fear it at all, and then they just get mad when they get hit. Now guys getting hit up around the head, and also too, by the way, a lot of these young pitchers hitting guys, they don't have any experience. They have a good week in Double A, and they're throwing great, and so the team loves their stuff. And then they bring them up, and they give them the scouting report that says to throw inside on this guy. Meanwhile, they don't know how to command inside, and then they hit the guy, and it's like they're throwing at people. No, he just doesn't know how to pitch in there yet. So I think there's, like, multiple different factors going on. Do the balls play a part? Yeah. There's other factors. It's the, it's the other things I was talking about. So it's just sticky slope, and unfortunately guys are getting hit. And, and it's scary when guys get hit, especially up around the head. 
I got to be honest with you. I, I saw Verdugo. They're playing the Red Sox here. I saw Verdugo hit a ball to right center field that he ran around first base, thinking, "Man, I got that." Like I, I that should have been a homer. I saw Bo yesterday in his first at bat, elevated fastball, ninety five, ninety six, take a ball that I think he thought when it left the bat he had it. For me, anyway, you would think just by looking at this big pitcher stepping back from it. Now I'm not a pitcher. I don't throw. I would think the hitters have more of a gripe here. Than the pitchers. The pitchers, for me, the sticky stuff and, and should have made a little bit more of an adjustment now that you would think that wouldn't be as big of an issue and, and hitters should have a little bit more of a gripe. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the hitters definitely have a gripe when it comes to the ball right now because it's not flying the way it was. Um, whether that's, you know, I, I think the league was talking about putting all balls in humidors. Um, you know, the the inconsistency of baseball, you know, you might hit one pitch, uh, one ball, and it, and it jumps, and the next one's kind of a deadened a little bit. So, yeah, I, I think there's probably – and it's just an adjustment period, right? Like, we always – that's the society we live in now. We want it now. Give it to me now. I can't wait. I need it now. I need I need it right now. Text me. Text me back. Why didn't you text me back? Where's my instant <laughs> satisfaction for my like button on my Instagram or my Twitter? I need self-satisfaction right now. I can't wait, guys. Can't wait five minutes. I can't. So all these guys are adjusting to new baseballs. It's going to take a little bit of time, boys, just to adjust. That's the game of baseball. It's been that way ever since they were playing it back in the 1800s. you got to adjust. And right now, it's an adjustment period. We're a couple weeks into the season. We're three weeks into the season. It's just an adjustment period, and they'll figure it out. Now, I know that uh, we have devalued the the statistic of pitchers' wins, and I don't want to get into the whole, uh, whole reasoning <laughs> behind Thank that. Thank you. But but uh, we have yeah, I'm talking to a pitcher here, right? But we we we've devalued it. I, I just want to ask you: We're devolving, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Some people evolve. One man's evolution is another person's devol- devolution. I get that. But uh, we're you know Alec Manoa is going to be pitching tomorrow, and uh, the Jays are 19 and four in his career starts. Again, early days. It's early in his career. But Ryan, is there something to the old adage that? a team really plays well for a certain guy. You know, he's on the mound, and, man, we we got to bring our A game today. And it's not that they like one guy more than the other, but it you just seem to see that every now and then, where there is a certain pitcher on every team where you know he's starting and everybody's in it, right? The last time Alec Manoa started, all the Jays players wore their socks the same way Alec Manoa did. Okay, small detail, silly little detail, boys will be boys detail. But that kind of tells you something, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely it tells you something. I'm a firm believer in that. I think that, you know, when you're a good teammate and you support your teammates, you know, you ask them how they're doing when they come in. Uh, you, you care about more than what they do about baseball. You have a smile on your face. You, you, you know, for him, you watch him work. He works quick. He's efficient. He throws strikes. He attacks. So what happens? Your defense plays well, right? Because they're happy. They're like on their toes. You're a good teammate. You're there high-fiving a guy when he when he does something and he comes in when they're on offense and you're not starting that day and you're the first one to give him a high-five when he makes a great catch in the outfield or you're there to you know pat him on the back after a tough strikeout. He knows you're there to support him. Now you're not up inside grabbing coffee and decide, you know, you want to hang out in the clubhouse for three innings and where's Alex? No, I, mean, I bet you he's on the bench a ton and he's around those guys. And, and I think that's what happens, you know. When you're a good teammate and you're a guy that sticks up for your guys and supports your guys, we're humans. 
that's life. If we walk, if we think about it, if you have a neighbor and your neighbor's, you know, a jack off and he's, he's always, you know, bitching about something or saying you're doing this or your, your fence is too high. You don't like that guy. You don't care. And then you got another neighbor who drops off donuts every Sunday morning. You go to bat for him. And that's just the reality of human beings. And that's who's playing this game. So when you have a good human being being a good teammate, and then on top of it, the way he works in the game, it's just conducive to getting better results for a team when you have people like that. Kevin Gosman, the last couple of starts, been nasty. That that split finger. I'm, I'm not sure <clears throat> why when he first got here I, I I had my doubts on he can work through the American League East with two pitches. I've seen the split finger. Uh, he can do it. <laughs> it's the, the the book's out, the jury's out now that, that he can do it with two pitches sprinkling in the in the slider. Can you explain to me why not a lot of people want to throw a split finger and what Kevin Gosman does so well to be able to command that and get the dominance that he gets from that pitch. Yeah, I think, well, you know, just the evolution of, of it for him, right? Like it took a little bit to get there. I don't know why more people don't throw it. Um, personally, I started throwing mine. Fergie Jenkins showed me a grip. It, he called it his changeup. For me, it was more like a split or a flosh, and that's what I started to throw. And it revolutionized my career to be able to get right and lefties out with it. Um, you know, and the one thing about it, Kevin, like you know this, you can go to a batting cage and you got fastball machines and you got breaking ball machines, and you can sit there and hit breaking balls all day long. There's no split finger fastball machine out there. Nope. It is really hard for your your brain as a hitter, I would think. I know I was not a good hitter, so it was extremely hard for my brain. But it is really hard for your brain when you see arm speed and that ball comes out like a fastball, it doesn't come out spinning, you, you commit, you start to commit. So even if you hang it a little bit, as long as it's not way hung and the guy's not really strong, it's going to be weak contact. It's weak pop-ups. It's weak ground outs. You know, and then you learn how to manipulate throwing, you know, fastballs down into a righty and then a split off that. So you different planes. And it's just to me, if you if you if I had a young pitcher and his arm was comfortable with it, you know, there's different ways to grip it. A traditional fork ball puts a lot of strain on the elbow, but a, a split with a little bit of a change grip, you, you can really take a lot of that pressure off the elbow. It's no more pressure than these kids are throwing with with cutters and sliders at 95 miles an hour. So. Why not throw it? And, and you're seeing the results. It's changed Kevin Gossman's career, what he, what he did in San Francisco and now what he's doing in Toronto. And this guy is elite because of adding that pitch. Dimp, is there a key to that pitch? Is there something that when you throw it? Because what, what's impressive for me is is how long it looks like a strike and how many swing and misses he gets from that pitch out of the strike zone. He had 11 swing and misses last, last night out of the strike zone from that pitch. Is it... Is it something that will tell you when you're on the mound, if I'm driving something this way, my arm will come here? Is there a key that will tell you in your mind that I can repeat that over and over and over again? Yeah, I think probably the, the key for me was always kind of just making sure that, um, you know, it, it's kind of – for me it was always about where I was looking because you got to remember you're accounting for drop, right? So, you know, if I'm trying to throw it down and away and I'm looking on the knees down and away – that ball's going to probably bounce before home plate. So I got to, I got to elevate my sights just a little bit. And then that comes with the, you're talking about the command of it, being able to throw it for a strike. I'm going to, I'm going to look and throw this chest high and ends up being a strike, strike one. Cool. Awesome. You know, it falls to kind of the middle of the strike zone. And now, now you can expand off that and you give somebody your B split. And now you got your A in your back pocket, Um, you know, and then just hand positioning, really, really stand behind the baseball so that, you know, you don't spike it in the ground. You don't float it up there. The floaters are the ones that get hit. 
you know, where they pop out of your hand and they don't really break. They slow down and those guys' eyes get really big and they're like, oh, yeah, thank you for the homer. So, <laughs> yeah, just hand positioning and just and eyesight, you know, and, and that just comes with him. You know, I've watched him evolve with it too from, you know, throwing it as a swing and miss pitch to throwing it for a strike and then throwing it as a swing and miss pitch off that. It's It's been a lot of fun to just, you know, he's such a great kid and, um, you know, to watch him evolve this way and, and really, you know, two pitches and dominate. It just shows you it's about location and changing speeds, and, and it always has been, it always will be. And when you got a pitch like that, I mean, you're, you're a perennial Cy Young Award winner as long as you stay healthy. Ryan, really good of you to join us today. Terrific insight as always. Thanks, my friend. It's great stuff. Yeah, great to, great to be with you guys. Thanks, thanks, guys. Take care. That is Ryan Dempster, host of Off the Mound, 2013 World Series champion. And uh, a great guy, Mark, to ask about the forkball because, or the change-up or the fosh, whatever you want to call it, because that's that's what he threw. And and it is, you know, there, there, are, there are a variety of names, right? Splitter, forkball, um, you know, I remember Bruce Souter was a guy that sort of really popularized the pitch. But, yeah, it, it, that was a great question. Uh, I don't know why more pitchers don't throw it, and especially given the emphasis on, on, on sort of on how the game is pitched right now. I, how, I think and how and how players come up and what players what players are seeing when they get when they go through the minors. Like I guarantee you, Kev, a lot of young guys don't see splitters in the minors, do you? Like you may see a guy in AAA throw a splitter, right? Maybe I, an I older could t- guy will throw a splitter. I could tell you when I was coming up, the big thing was to split grip. Everybody thought they had to throw a split finger. Because it's called a split finger, a lot of guys, they thought their fingers weren't big enough to split it and get the movement that they needed to get. Now they've changed the grip on it so much that you don't have to spread your fingers that that wide to get it to move like a split finger. And for me, anyway, when I was coming up, that was the little bugaboo was you didn't want to throw a split finger because my hand's not big enough. I would always ask pitchers, why don't you throw it? The first thing they do without saying anything is hold their hand up. Yeah. To, to basically say my fingers are not long enough, they're not. I can't spread them apart wide enough. You'd see them walking around, guys that did with the baseball stuck between their fingers, and they do yep. it the entire game because I would be the guy that would always walk by them and slap it out of their hand just to make fun of them. But it was those little things of they just didn't know really how to grip it, and now you're starting to see him. It was intriguing to hear Demp talk about where he wanted to start and aim at. If I want to throw it for a strike, I aim a little higher. If I want to throw it for a strike to ball, I aim a little lower, and he may throw it a little harder. Like he wants to get it out there to where it tunnels and then has the, the late break. He may grip it differently depending but on which that, way he wants it to go. It's That's such a cool lower, way to, to explain it. If you lower your arm angle, doesn't a good hitter pick up on that? Or sure, I guess he's it, not. Tra- he's not talking about that. He's talking about you do. You repeat it over and over and over again. Okay, you just right, want to stay right. behind the baseball to where you're I not. Because if you're getting it way out in front, that will it. be in the dirt, and it's a non-competitive pitch, and you don't want that. It's more of okay. I'm I'm either changing my grip a little. I'll put a little bit more pressure on one of my fingers because I want to throw it strike the ball. I take a little bit of pressure off my finger. I set my target a little higher because I want to throw it for strike one. I want to throw it to get back in account. There's different ways of just that. You've you've mastered the mechanics of it. You've mastered where you want it to to release it from. Now it's just about my aiming point and. I mean, that's that's some cool stuff, the way they think about that. 
Uh, it'll be Michael Waka against Ross Stripling tonight at the Rogers Center. Game three of this four-game series. 707 first pitch on Sportsnet 590, the fan, and on Sportsnet. A little bit of controversy in Boston this morning. I wanted to t- touch on this at least. You know, of course, that Tanner Houck uh, of the Red Sox, along with Cutter Crawford, a relief pitcher, neither of them are with the team because neither of them were vaccinated, so the Canadian government's border restrictions come into play. Now, uh, Tanner Houck is, well, we saw his, his outing against the Blue Jays. He's, he's a dominant pitcher. He's a guy that does not give up, does not give up home runs. As a result of Tanner Houck not being able to accompany the Red Sox here. Garrett Whitlock, who ultimately is going to be a starting pitcher. He's he's filthy. He he at some point may turn into the best pitcher in this staff. Hell, I don't know. He may be on the verge of already doing that, which is saying a lot considering who they have. But Garrett Whitlock will get the start tomorrow against Alec Manoa. Because Tanner Houck isn't here, Garrett Whitlock has been lost to the Red Sox bullpen. And we saw, we've seen in this series, that right now the kind of the Red Sox default position is they want to use Hansel Robles in the leverage situations. They still have Matt Barnes, but Kevin, Matt Barnes hasn't... I don't... Matt Barnes has, like, fallen off the face of the earth since we were seeing him halfway through last year. I think it was the Blue Jays that walked off, walked him off one time, and that kind of sent his whole, his whole season into a spiral. But my point is the discussion in Boston this morning, and Pete Abraham, who covers the Red Sox for the Globe, and other, other people are pointing out that, look, you know, we all get the whole personal freedom thing, but the fact of the matter is, the fact that Tanner Houck isn't here has had an impact on what has happened in these first two games. It's had an impact on how Will Venables, who, by the way, is managing in Alex Cora's absence because Alex Cora tested positive for COVID-19, it's had an impact on how he has been able to use the bullpen. So this, it, it's great when you're beating Boston. It's even better when you're beating Boston in a manner that creates controversy in Boston, and 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 maybe distra- maybe distracting, maybe distracting from things. But it, it's an interesting talking point. You know, it it really is, and it gets back to what we said about stability in the starting rotation. The fact that the Jays starters have become so stable that. The Jays' relief core is now in the middle of the major leagues in terms of innings pitched. I mean, that gets back to what we said. Everybody knows the rules. Everybody's comfortable with their rules. It's easier to get guys the right amount of met, of rest. The Red Sox aren't in that position right now. You, you take they, advantage they, of they teams. Aren't. You take advantage of teams that don't have all of their guys there. You, you, every win yeah. matters in the American League East, especially this year with as much uh, as all those four teams are bunched together. And you have a good month. If one team doesn't have a good month. That's you could add a little separation. I talk to the Blue Jays coaches all the time. They they say the same thing. We're trying to add separation early to make it easier on us late, and that makes a ton of sense. You're, that's why you're seeing all the shifts and and Charlie's managing a lot of these games as, as, like they're. The most important games of the season, exactly the way he should be doing it. If you ask a Blue Jays player, they don't feel sorry for the Red Sox. They went through all this stuff and and all the aches and pains and trying to figure out COVID and oh yeah. You look, you you the Red Sox don't have one of their best pitchers. Tanner Houck is nasty. He's filthy. Crossfire, giant human, throws across his body, throws hard. He's right-handed. 
you take advantage of that. Now it's even if Garrett Whitlock is nasty and he's filthy, he's not Tanner Houck. Like you, you're probably only going to get Garrett Whitlock for three or four innings instead of yeah, possibly I, five or six innings. That's the difference for me. And if you're a Blue Chase hitter, you zone up a little bit more. You have quality at bats. You take advantage. You get in the bullpen. You wear them out. You can take advantage of that. Yeah, you're also getting Garrett Whitlock once in a four game series instead of maybe two times or I don't know, even three times depending on how Bam. depending on how it's. Uh, depending on how things shake up. Uh, we have got a pair of tickets to give away today. Now, of course, if you listen to the show yesterday, we had some technical issues and uh, didn't get around to it. Well, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth. Because yesterday, as I mentioned, during the technical issues, we were off air. I didn't know we were off air. <laughs> For how long? I, I spoke. I went back and... I spoke I spoke for six and a half minutes. <laughs> I spoke for six I, I ragged the puck for six and a half minutes. And uh yeah, anyhow. So so yeah, we we did some tactical issues. I it, it was great stuff. I swear to God, man, it's some of the best stuff I've ever seen. No one's ever gonna know. <laughs> but I spent six and a half minutes talking. I could see um, you. Your lips were moving, and I was asking Lance, our technical director, "Is Blair on?" And he's like, "Nope." <laughs> Anyhow, part of the issue as a result of that is we didn't get a chance to give away our uh, we didn't get a chance to give away our tickets yesterday. So uh, we are doing it today. We're giving you the chance to win Blue Jays tickets all season long here on Blair and Barker. Whether you listen on the radio or on our podcast, or if you're watching us on Sportsnet 360. And we will be back in studio on Monday. And all you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily baseball trivia question. Text it at 590-590. On Monday, we asked you which Astros pitcher holds the team record for most strikeouts in a season. I would not have gotten this. It was Garrett Cole with 326 in 2019. My default position would have been Nolan Ryan or Roger Clemens or somebody like that. But Garrett Cole had 326 strikeouts in 2019. Today's question is to win tickets to the Jays-Astros at the Rogers Center. One pair for Saturday and one pair for Sunday. This is the trivia question. Which Astro has played the most games in franchise history? Again, for a pair of tickets to see the Jays and Astros at the Rogers Center Saturday and a pair of tickets to see the Jays and Astros on Sunday. Which Astros pitcher played the most games in franchise history? You can text the answer to 590-590 for your shot to win you can see rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. Ricky Romero is a former all-star, former Toronto Blue Jays pitcher. He's host, spit it out, Jeff, host of the Let's Go Ricky Rowe podcast. Ricky Romero joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan. Soon back on 360 and always, 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 wherever you get your favorite podcast. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Reminder to join Barker and myself after every Blue Jays game for Blue Jays Talk. We will be on tonight following the conclusion of Game 3 of the four-game series between the Jays and Red Sox at the Rogers Center. Last night, we were joined by Allen. 
Alan used to call, I, I don't know, this is the one, two, three, four. It was like the fifth different show I've done in this station. I don't know if that says more about me or more about the station. But anyhow, Barker's shaking his head. It's like the fifth different show I've done in this station. Um, Alan used to call up all the time when he was in the cab. And uh, it was great because I'd always... Alan asked... Alan would ask... Alan would ask intriguing questions. Last night's question was, why wouldn't you steal third base with Ghost Runner in extra innings? And it was... But it was always great because Alan would always be in the cab, and I'd always ask Alan, you know, I'd say, what's the weather like out there? And Alan would kind of give us little traffic reports and, and all this stuff. So it was a lot of fun hearing from, uh, hearing from Alan last night. So if you want to, if you feel like talking about this team, and God knows they're going to give us a lot to talk about this year, uh, join us on Blue Jays Talk immediately following the games. And uh, we, the chances are good that we'll get you on air. We generally have a lot of callers, but we, if you're a good caller, we'll get you on. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and we're trying to create kind of a, almost a safe space, if you want to call it that, for folks to talk about the Blue Jays. You know, folks can come on and say stuff and not get flamed up or anything like that. Um, but it was fun last night. And uh, get a lot of calls from across the country, too, which really, as someone who's, like, lived in Winnipeg, Calgary, Montreal kind of appeals to me to uh, have folks call in from across the country. Uh, Ricky Romero joins us. How are you doing, Ricky? Good. How are you, Jeff? Doing well, man. How's the family? Everybody good? Everyone's good. Yeah. Busy as can be with three with three <laughs> rugrats running around. Oh, oh <laughs> man. Oh, man. I, I, I trust that you guys navigated, you've navigated the whole COVID thing okay with uh, with kids? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah, we we were lucky that our that our 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 kids go to a little private school and it's a really small school so that that kind of helped that they stayed open and and they kept everyone safe so that was good. Excellent. So it kind of saved us. <laughs> good news, man. Good to hear. Um well it's glad uh, we're we're, we're it, it's great to hear your voice again. Um I'm going to ask you the same question we asked Ryan Dempster because uh look, uh I, I'm going to admit that when the Jays signed Kevin Gossman, I, I thought, okay, this is you know this would be a good signing. Hey, add some stability to the bullpen and all that. I'm kind of wondering though. I'm kind of I've been around enough to know that sometimes the success you have in other, I think at least in other divisions, doesn't always translate to the American League East. And but I was excited because mm-hmm. they were getting a stabilizing a guy who was going to come in and help stabilize the bullpen. And I thought this is this is this is great. But I got to tell you, I I. Didn't I didn't realize how unhittable that splitter is, and, and I want to ask you as a pitcher. We, we we've talked about you know what what a hitter sees when he sees that. What goes through a pitcher's mind when you know you have a pitch that even if guys are going to make contact on it, it's it it's not going to be quality contact. What prevents you from overusing it? Because I would think human nature would be a steady diet of it. Yeah, no, I think the biggest thing is is learning how to set it up. And um, as you mentioned, yeah, you don't want to overuse it to where hitters kind of start sitting on it. Um, as, as Kevin knows, I mean, hit, big league hitters are smart, man. And then they'll, 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 they start kind of seeing patterns. And if they start seeing, you know, an 0-1 count, an 0-2 count, he's throwing that pitch, he's going to throw that pitch, whatever it is, um, you just have to be able to set it up at one point. And when you watch it on TV, I mean, that thing just disappears. It's like the hitters on it and then boom, it just drops. 
and and, and it's credit to him because, like you mentioned, it's it, you don't always know how it's going to translate from from one division to the next. But it almost seems like he he found himself in in San Francisco, and he he he's kind of learned um, the league a little bit. Uh, he came up with Baltimore, and he didn't have the greatest of success, but I feel like he always had the stuff. And and it's almost sometimes you know when you start believing in it, and you start saying like, oh man, like I not. Not only do I have ninety five, ninety six in my back pocket, but I have this wipeout, you know, split change that that can wipe out hitters too. So, yeah, it, it always just to me is it's setting it up, um, learning when to throw it, um, and and it just seems like he's got a great feel for that right now. Ricky, let's talk about the baseballs. There's been a lot of talk about that. Chris Bassett came out and said Major League Baseball has an issue. Uh, I'm not going to ask you about the size of the baseball. Is it different? Those kind of things. But I do want to ask you: when you get a ball back from the catcher, you've thrown a ball. That ball feels a certain way. You get a ball back from the catcher, and that ball feels different. First thing through your mind would be what? And if and if the ball feels different, is there a certain pitch that you may have to manipulate a little bit more or change the grip? What goes through your mind when, when the ball feels different? It, you're like, oh, crap. It, it doesn't feel the same. It, it, and, and even – you know, when I was when I was pitching in the big leagues, <laughs> balls do change from time to time. Like it just some are rubbed up more than others, and I don't know what the issue is right now. But yeah, here, I, I heard what Chris Bassett had to say, and obviously those guys are in the middle of it, and and they're realizing the the, the big differences in them. I don't think I've really ever heard you know pitchers complain like that about balls being so different from from inning to inning, from from you know when it gets fouled off and you get a new ball. So. Yeah, we're seeing uh, guys get hit by pitches uh, more often than not right now, and and that's the last thing you want. You don't want guys getting hurt. So, yeah, I mean, my my first thought, yeah, when when you get a different ball, it's just it it, it obviously messes with you a little bit, and you know you either have to grip it a little tighter, and and you know I'm I'm, I'm sure you know guys not having you know stuff on their hand it, it has kind of affected that too. So it just yeah, it's just one of those things where um, where baseball has to has to get it right. Um, at the end of the day, you know, I, I almost feel like the, the players are losing trust in Major League Baseball, and and, and we have to get that trust back. Okay, I'm going to flip this on the. I'm going to flip it on a, another side. I get it with the baseball, the different feel. I get what Chris Bassett said. I've seen balls that are hit with the. Uh, you know, the Blue Jays are hitting them. Boba shaded a ball last night. I think he thought that was gone. Puts a little pressure, more yeah. pressure on you. You think you have to overswing those kind of things. But I, but I, for me, when I watch these games and I watch a ton of them, it's the it's the fastballs in. It's not knowing how to pitch in. And you're the perfect guy to ask this because you're left-handed and you faced a bunch mm-hmm. of right-handed hitters. You have to establish in and establishing in don't mean move a guy's feet all the time that means hitting the spot on the black end and when your misses are good they're real good they're not in the middle of the plate they're off the plate and for me i don't think it's so much the baseball as is the the mentality of guys coming up are more hard throwers other than pitchers and establishing the dominance in am i on to something there is that what you're seeing or am i totally off base no, I, I I think so too, man. And I and I come from, I'm not, I'm not I don't I don't think I'm that old, but yeah, I mean I think that was one of the biggest things when I was coming up. Learn how to pitch in and be aggressive. And like you said, you don't have to get, move a guy's feet, but you you have you have to be able to pitch in. That was, if if you didn't do that, you you weren't pitching in the big leagues back back when I was coming up. 
Um, and and it was you know from from the great Pat Hankin, you 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 pitch in and you get that down and away, you know, down and away, down and away. You get you you buzz them in, and then you get that down and away. So yeah, I mean, I, I definitely see what you're saying, and, and it almost seems like yeah, we we we've, we've lost that a little bit as pitchers. And I mean, obviously, it's all about velocity and how hard you're throwing and the horizontal break, the vertical break, and all that and all that stuff, which is fine, but. At the end of the day, yeah, it's being able to establish that that inner half of the plate so that you can get the outer half back. And so, uh, sometimes I think too, uh, organizations are asking too much from pitchers. The elevated fastball for me is a tough pitch for a lot of guys who have been taught and mm-hmm. you know beat in their head that it's down and away, it's down, and, and you know you you feed off of that, you tunnel secondary pitches off of that. And now you're asking them to go up, and you're asking them to go up and in which is a whole different animal. I'm, I'm watching the Mets get hit yeah. with those balls that are in. So you're trying to run a ball in, up and in with movement. That's a lot to ask. That's just that's for me yeah. anyway. That's a, that's a lot to ask a guy to try and do that. And for me, I, I was a guy that pitched down in the zone. So I struggled whenever it was 0-2 and the, uh, a catcher usually called the fastball up. It, it was nowhere near. And it, you're, it really is tough, especially when you're, when you're used to, you know, like I said, for me it was a sinker ball, catch, uh, sinker, and, and a good changeup and, and a curveball that was down. So, yeah, sometimes it's just not to the advantage of the pitcher. So I think that's, you know, the catcher are obviously realizing like, okay, this guy might not be able to do it. So I got to go to something else, maybe bury a pitch and, and put the guy away. I hated messing around, like I really did. Like I was like, let's if, if I have a guy old too, let, let me let me just put him away now. Like I'm not I'm not into wasting pitches. There's time. There's times when to do that, but let's let's just put a guy away. Uh, speaking of Kevin Gossman, Zach Collins has caught both both of his starts so far. Of course, he joined the, uh, or I should say, he's caught two of his starts. He joined the Jays late in spring training uh, in in the trade for Reese McGuire. Uh, so he wouldn't have caught Kevin a great deal in um, in in well, he wouldn't have caught him at all. Let's face it, in spring training, and yet he's been behind the plate for two really good starts against the same team against the Red Sox what what makes a good and I'm not saying that when Danny Jansen comes back Zach Collins is still going to be here but clearly Kevin Gossman and Zach Collins clearly the new catcher the lack of familiarity hasn't really had an impact on on the situation what makes a good catcher pitcher relationship even a temporary one Ricky, like what, 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 what's the key to having that, you know, that, that synchronicity almost that you get between these two guys? Yeah, I, I think it's the communication. Obviously, that's number one. Um, and then, you know, and I'm sure uh, Zach Collins, as soon as he got traded over, and and, and those guys spent a lot of time in the in that uh, in that video room, and, and I'm sure he went in there and, and saw what these guys. I mean, it, it's it's not easy to learn a whole staff, but. You know, he probably saw that. You know, there was days where he was probably going to call catch Kevin, and and you go in there and you and you see the the kind of the the his, first of all his routine and and what he likes to throw, and and that's why I say communication is key. Like, hey, like what what, what is it that you like to do? I'm going to go in and watch tape um, on these hitters. What should I look for? And I, I think that goes a long way. And when you're able to do that, and you're able to communicate with your pitcher, it makes it makes life easier. And again. Um, like you mentioned, who knows if Zach Collins is going to be catching him from here on out? But <laughs> I mean, he's leaving no doubt. I mean, why why would you change something that's really really good right now? And uh, um, but yeah, I think the communication is is big time. And when you're able to do that, um, 
you're going to find a lot of success with your pitchers. Ricky, thanks so much for joining us today. Great to hear from you again. Thanks, Ricky. Great to hear from you guys, too. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Be well. Ricky Romero joining us on Blair and Barker. i got to be honest with with you. I've I've listened to two pitchers talk about the balls. I'm getting to the point where I'm I'm a little on the wah side when it comes to pitchers and the grip. And, and you know, if anybody's got a gripe with the ball – is hitters now now not only do you incorporate the shift all the time every single pitch you're moving all over the place now you're throwing more secondary pitches than you are fastballs i'm not facing guys as many times so i have that disadvantage and on top of it you've done something to the baseball so now when i make solid contact ain't go where it's supposed to go so my, i i, I i'm a little way on the pitcher now i i kind of i side with them and i'll tell you why the nature of the game. The game doesn't start until the pitcher throws the ball. There's a chance that you can kill somebody with the pitch. There is. Guys are throwing hard. I fail to understand how an industry, I don't know, is it $11 billion a year industry? Whatever the hell it is. I fail to understand how an industry that generates this much money can't Sit down. I mean, God knows. Every day you go online, there's another academic with a study on the drag in the baseball or the grippiness of the baseball. Sit down and design a ball. I mean, it can't be that hard. Design a ball that has the right amount of grip so you don't need pitchers loading up That where the laces... Are in the are done right, so you can you can not necessarily have it favor offense over defense. It just seems to me it's so basic. It, it's you can't play the game without the ball. We spend all our time worrying about where guys are shifting, what electronic devices they're using to steal signs, all this stuff. Sit down, come up with a ball. Just come up with a standardized ball it it can't be that hard it, it just can't be that impossible it's and it's just it's got it's fun. kevin we're talking about all this other stuff pitch clocks and and automatic you know automated automatic balls and strikes well that's all this great all that stuff's fine but jesus figure out the ball because i will say this like i i absolutely look it's like anything else it's a tactile thing if you're doing one thing repeatedly, you know more about that thing than other people do. You just do. If you're holding something a certain way, you know how, when a ball feels different. You just do. If you spent your entire life every day holding a freaking baseball and throwing it, you can tell when there's something different. It's like when you get in your car, you know when the steering wheel needs to be adjusted. Same thing. So I, I don't. I don't just kind of say this is another conspiracy theory, but just come up with an answer. It it can't be that hard. I just think it's funny that that I'm pretty in tune when it comes to the Blue Jays pitchers and what's going on and what they're saying. I haven't heard one of them complain about the baseball. Um, I mean that that's my point here is they're they're it, it always can't be because I'm missing my spots or I'm hitting people uh, that it's the baseball. Maybe, maybe it's you just don't know how to pitch in. 
Maybe you don't know how to elevate a ball with some movement into a right-handed hitter if you're a right-handed pitcher. Maybe it's that. Maybe it has. Maybe the baseball is a little different. But it's just funny how you hear, you know, a group of people always complaining about it, and then there's a bunch of other pe- a group of people that never complain about it. Well, it's it's just like anything else, you know. If you're winning, uh, you know, you're generally happy, and if you're winning and you're and and guys aren't being hit, I think the Jays, the Jays are. I don't know how many how many players they've how many hit by pitches they've had this. The year. Mets are winning a lot. It's outraged. Yeah, they're winning a lot, and and their guys are getting hit in the head. I think it was Pete Alonso had his ear flap broken. Like that's... that 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 was on a that was on a sinker up and in. They're trying to go in with yeah. a power pitch. That's my point here. Is maybe it's not the baseball. Uh, maybe maybe I'm I'm too much of a hitter first, but I just think that's fun, a little funny that you hear a, a lot of griping. And it only comes from a certain group of people. That's... Well, we won't solve that today. Nope. Maybe we can solve something with our next little bit because it is that time, Kevin. It's time for Barker's Back Leg Bits. De lado, Kevin Baker. El envío saca batazo de fly profundo al bosque derecho, cuadrangular bestial. We said Barker's Bits, not Baker. Yeah, this is the part of the show where we solicit uh, listener questions. You can DM me, SN Jeff Blair. Uh, We've got a ton of questions for Bark. We'll uh, we'll try to get to them, try to get as many of them as we can. Just because we don't address it on one particular day doesn't mean we won't do it. Uh, We won't do it down the road. We've got a lot of questions today, and I'm going to apologize to those that we didn't get to. Cheryl Fullerton asked about... Jimmy Garcia's performance last night, and uh, I wanted to bring that up because he did give. He's been pretty much bulletproof. Uh, four runs in the eighth inning off of him last night. Uh, she wants to know about Tyler uh, Heineman working with him behind the plate. Um, could that have had uh, a, an impact on it? I, I don't know, Kevin. I you know I think we we talked about it last night a little bit, right? The focus has to be in that at bat to Trevor with Trevor's story. Yeah, I'd like to say that, that it's. I'd like to say that it's all. It has everything to do with the catcher. A lot, you got to remember, uh, Jimmy Garcia is a, a veteran guy. He's been around a long time. He's not going to throw something. He's not doesn't have a lot of conviction in, and he wants to throw. He'll shake off until he gets the right pitch because he's been around long enough. The catcher's not going to make a veteran guy do anything he doesn't want to do. And sometimes we like to throw it on the the game calling from the catcher. Then it's the 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 pitcher is throwing it. I just question the Trevor Story at bat because if he's watching the game, Trevor Story's had an issue early in the game with the slider four samber combo. Speed him up, slow him down. Speed him up, slow him down. Looks like he's cheating a little bit to get the velocity. Tunnel the slider. It's a little harder pitch. You can make it go where you, I think, want it to go when it comes to misses a little bit better than that finesse 81-mile-an-hour breaking ball. And the more times, let's be honest, you throw a guy a pitch, sooner or later, because he's seen it so many times, he's going to time that sucker up. And the and the location almost has to be perfect. And it wasn't. That's the only thing I question. But I have a tough time, you know, throwing it off on a catcher because it's a veteran pitcher on the mound, not a rookie pitcher. Pitcher. Uh, Jay Smith has a great question about Matt Chapman. He says, full disclosure, I love Matt Chapman. Defensive skills alone make him invaluable. Is there something off or a little wooden, no pun intended, about his swing a lot of the time? He seems to me to be a little robotic or not quite as fluid. Anything, Kevin, you've noticed that may be the reason for his contact and consistency uh, being off? 
I was always told if you're a 240 hitter, you'll always be a 240 hitter. He's got a big enough sample size that he's not a great hitter. He's a power hitter. Uh, he's a streaky power hitter. He's not always going to get you a bunch of hits. He goes one for four with a bloop double or maybe a one for four with a homer. That's what you're asking from him because he plays such great defense and he's going to do things on that side of the ball that most humans can't. The robotic thing, he searches a lot. He's a thinker. When you're a thinker, you tend to think it out while he's swinging it, and you can see it in his is mind. There a difference my front... between, is there a difference between a thinker and a guesser? Uh, you, you, yeah, there's a big difference. Guessing means you, you feel confident enough in your mechanics that if you guess right, because your mechanics are so good, you're going to hammer that ball. He's a thinker when it comes to, you can see it at the plate. It's my fit. My hands are here. He's sort of thinking it through in his mind. You can see him when he stands in the plate and he digs in. My hands are here. My feet are together. I'm going to stride here. My hands will go here. Yeah, I'm going to hit the ball hard. That's who he is for me. Great questions, folks. Listen, uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, again, Kevin and myself will be doing Blue Jays talk after the Jays win over the Boston Red Sox. I didn't say that, did I? You did yeah, say I it. did. Kevin and I will be doing Jays talk tonight after they beat the Boston Red Sox, so feel free to uh, join the conversation. And we'll be back tomorrow from 10 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590. The fan, as always, as always, you can get us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And please have yourself a great day. Thank you.